Hi, welcome to Starting Nowhere, Episode 3. I'm your host, Brandon. Today, my guest is Jason Henson. Jason is an artist in the Tampa Bay area who also dabbles in music and all around is just an interesting person. Fair warning, this conversation does contain a little bit of explicit language, nothing too intense, but just a little bit here and there. So if that's not your thing, just be prepared to skip a little bit. Other than that, I hope you enjoy today's episode as this was a very fun conversation. All right. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining me, man. I uh, just wanted to give you a second to introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you're about and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, government name, Jason Henson. Um, I do, uh, I mean, I do a little bit of everything. Um, maybe a modern day Renaissance man, I guess you could say. Uh, uh, primarily focus on the music. Uh, I also paint. Um, so I've been kind of lately dedicated to more of the, the um, visual arts, uh, painting, did some mural work for the city of Tampa recently. Um, you know, father, coach, uh, husband, uh, son, you know, um, all of the above, man. You know, all of the above. That's what's up. I think you may have missed two things there. I don't know if I'm right on the first one. I just saw today when I was trying to go to your page. Uh, you a vet too? Yeah, Army vet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Air Force vet myself. So uh, and the second one, the most important one to me, man, you're part of the uh, what I call the Holy Trinity, bald beard, light skin. That's that's the Trinity right there. (laughs) So you in the family with me. So yeah, yeah. Not by choice. But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think I think that says something about your personality, though, because uh, some dudes, even when the choice is taken away, they try to hold on. You know what I mean? Right, you, right. You get those uh, fades. There's some very famous people. I ain't going to name any names. You know, they come from my home <laughs> state of Ohio. But some people, man, they just need to let that, let it go. Go ahead and get that razor out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, 100%. I, dog, I say that all the time, bro. Uh, just it, let it go. <laughs> let it, go. <laughs> it is. For a lot of people, I don't think they think about it too, man. If you let it go and commit to that, and like you go ahead and shave it up or even buzz cut it or whatever, like people respect you way more for it and it just looks better than trying to hold right. on and getting that not even a coma or i don't even know what you call that man getting yeah. a weave i guess <laughs> yeah well you know they got the new shit bro where you can go to the guy and he'll glue some shit on bro oh yeah i've and seen the looks, video it looks great you know, I... <laughs> <laughs> nah man we live in florida you know how the hurricanes are you're gonna have me out there with my shit flapping in the wind i can't do that It'll be the humidity that'll get your ass first. That shit'll start sliding <laughs> off. That shit'll start sliding, looking like a beret and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Can't have my <laughs> shit like that. So, but all right, man. You you touched a little bit on there. Obviously, you're a very uh, artistic dude. You got your music and you got your your more visual arts and everything like that. How'd you get started and all that? Was that just something you came out the womb with a brush in your hand, or where'd that where'd that come from? Not at all, man. Actually, um, you know, I you know I grew up not painting, not doing any really th- anything artistic, uh, or at least I didn't think I was doing anything artistic. Um, but my uncle, my uncle who was, I guess he was uh, six or seven years older than me, um, was a painter, I mean, he, he, was, he, he drew. He did a lot of fantasy art and a lot of Boris Vallejo. I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, he did a lot of fantasy art, dragons, um, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, he was the first guy that I saw that was able to paint or, uh, excuse me, draw something, you know, from nothing. And, you know, watching him was kind of probably like the first time I saw it happen. And then my grandmother was was uh, later on in her life before she passed, she had got into uh, oil painting. So 
again, I saw uh, people paint in my family and I saw some art, but it wasn't until later on, man, um, that I got into it. And, and the funny thing is the way that I got into it, uh, I tell this story all the time, but somehow or another, I got, I got stuck in corporate America. I, 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 ended, I don't know how the fuck it happened, um, but I ended up working at corporate America. And, and anybody that works in corporate America, uh, you either love it, you either absolutely love it, or you do it to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, obviously, somebody like myself, kind of an artistic, creative type dude, anytime there was downtime, I would use like company supplies and post-it notes. And, you know, I'd be doodling, you know, in between time on, you know, I apologize to any of my former bosses that were wondering why my product, why my productivity was uh, a little lacking, but um but yeah man i started off doodling i was just a, a i think we all do it we're on the phone doodling and drawing on uh, notepads or whatever the case might be but so that's how i got started because people i would give the post-its to my coworkers. you know i would kind of like brighten up their day and shit like that it'd be like some funny ones and like a flower or whatever the case may be and um you know people liked it you know and, and what i did i just said uh, let me start transferring some of these to canvas um just because and you know no particular reason and then i did and um you know people started to like those and and uh actually uh instagram man is uh you know instagram is a gift and a curse because there's there's a lot there that can that you can use as motivation and there's a there's a huge art community on uh instagram and so i was i was lucky enough to link up with some other artists that were kind of levels above me and, um, you know, they gave me that push uh, to, to kind of, you know, step out there with it. So, you know, so I'm an artist now, man. That's what it is, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I enjoy it, man. It's fun. That's what's up, man. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something you probably don't know about me. And I tell people this and it's hard for them to believe and it's hard for me to believe, but my first job when I joined the Air Force, I was a graphic artist. That's what they came in and they actually had me go to a school up in Maryland and teach me how to like draw and paint. And bro, I tell you, I was the worst. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. awful, yeah. man. Uh, and they, they tried to make me do all this manual arts. And man, I'm telling you, I almost failed. What was it like kindergarten to first grade? Because I couldn't mm -hmm. uh, write in cursive. Like my handwriting is atrocious. I just have very bad fine motor skills. And so they tried to right. teach me to draw and everything. Uh, and needless to say, that career didn't last very long. But, but yeah, yeah. I've got a background in art as well, uh, and mine is force. So I did corporate America art because people would just come to me and they would want posters or whatever right. else, you know, for the Air Force and stuff. So right. uh, I didn't get into it like you did, you know what I'm saying? So um, that's interesting, though, that you kind of you touched on that you were one of those people that I guess you would say like a late bloomer when it came to that type of world. You know what I mean? You kind yeah. of came from the corporate America and just had that uh little bit of natural, I don't want to say ability necessarily, but inclination where you were already sitting there doodling, like you said, and then you turned that into something. And for me, that speaks to a lot of people who do a lot of these things, like kind of on the side, they just chop it up with people and do whatever, but they don't really go nowhere with it. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I, I think taking that next step is really where you put yourself in that, uh, that next echelon and really grew. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's a good segue, man. Like I said, I told you before, I wanted to, wanted to ask some questions about some of the stuff that I saw on your page and yeah. go ahead and, uh, plug the page too so let's see if okay. we can get this up here cool there we go <clears throat> all right so i want to start with the very first one well the most recent one anyways you know uh of course i can't bring it up that big but this one right here with the hands reaching out yeah. what, 
what's the kind of concept behind this? You like, do you usually have like a vibe for your art when you do it or some kind of idea of what you're trying to say, or you just, you go with really what the visual representation is? You know, um, everything is vibe for me. Uh, I, I don't like structure. I don't like rules at all. Like, so anybody that knows me, any of my friends, I, I'm a rule breaker. Um, so, so it's all about vibe for me. Uh, and, and these pieces, so th this piece here, I, these are some of the um, pieces that I did that were not painted. These are kind of just graphic, digital uh, things that I did <clears throat> just to kind of attach the, the, the Convo brand to an image. Um, so a lot of my influence is, is, is tribal, uh, African, uh, Native American uh, influence um, for the most part. So I, I just did a series of uh, images that I thought were cool um, and that I thought, you know, spoke to, um, you know, what I was feeling at the time. And this particular image with the hands is just, uh, you know, it's actually upside down. So when I, when I got the image, I snagged it, it was um, facing upward, but I thought it looked cooler facing down. And then I just, Tag my my just tagged it with with combo, and I did a series of these a while ago, just to kind of get people's attention. Just to, uh, I'm kind of uh, what you would call uh, an anti-promoter. Um, I don't believe in oversaturation of promotion and, and constantly banging shit down people's throat, uh, but little subtle shit like combo, boom, and then it makes people say, well, what is combo? And, you know, so just it, 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 it entices that, that type of uh, uh, question in people's head and, you know, and they kind of go from there. So it's just a simple promo piece, really. I mean, I think the use of negative space in this really is what it makes it stand out to me. And then the high contrast, right. obviously, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I think it's powerful, like you said, with just the combo. And then it does make you ask that question and kind of read into it. So I see what you were going with there. For sure. Right, 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 right. And I want to go to my favorite of what you've got posted here. This one right here. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. That, that's, that's my favorite. Like, so tell me what this is, what this is representation of for you, I guess, or whatever. Other than it looks <laughs> like you took your boy's head, uh, Lil J, looked like you cut his dress <laughs> and put it up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, man. That's my son. That's my, uh, that's Junior, um, who you obviously have the pleasure of, uh, you know, coaching and training. We'll get into that, I guess, at some point. But yeah, he... Um, He's, he was my muse, um, and I use my family and, and uh, a lot as, as my muse, uh, as muses. And yeah, he was, um, this was a pose, I think this was around Halloween, I had taken a picture of him, and I just thought it looked cool. Um, and, and so uh, what I did was I kind of transposed this into an app that I had on my phone, actually. I did this all on my phone. Um, and... Uh, yeah, again, we're looking at tribal, um, you know, kind of that African heritage, uh, you know, that that look, that feel. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, liked, I like the greens, I like the reds, uh, I, I like balance. So a lot, of, a lot of what you'll see in some of my work, you'll, you'll see, you know, uh, elements of balance and then you'll see elements where it's unbalanced. Uh, so I, I kind of try to play with that a little bit in my work, but, um, yeah, I enjoyed this. And that, and, and the funny thing is, this is one of my first, um, 
you know, kind of uh, stabs at doing digital art because I've seen a lot of the, uh, like my mentor and some of the guys that I look at, uh, guys and girls that I look at, um, I see that they do a lot of digital art. So this is kind of me trying it and that's what, that's the result. Yeah, I think you did a good job. Yeah, like I said, I think you did a good job, especially for the, one of the first iterations of that, but it's just, again, the color contrast, the pose, uh, obviously African influence in there and everything. I just, I like this one a lot. This one was definitely my favorite. Uh, If I'd known it was Jay, maybe I'd feel different about it, but. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. All right. No so doubt. is this part, is this the mural you were talking about before that you kind of had a hand in recently? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. That That's a mural that we did with, uh, in collaboration with the city of Tampa. Okay. Um, where Where's this at? That is in front of, um, um, it's downtown Tampa. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the exact street. Uh, I, I'll have to, I'll have to get back to you on the exact street, but it's, it's, uh, it's downtown Tampa. It's right downtown. It's still there. Um, and this was kind of a, an initiative, uh, to kind of respond artistically to all of the stuff that's happening, you know, uh, with police brutality and the injustice of, uh, that, that, you know, black and brown people are facing. Um, this is kind of, uh, as you can see, it is a fist, um, and uh, multiple artists were involved in this, all very talented, um, you know, and it was it was very hot this day. I want to be very clear. <laughs> we had, so I, the, the backstory on this, man, this shit was crazy, bro, because we had one day to do it, oh, wow. you know, and anybody that's ever, you know, anybody that does murals typically of this size, they need a couple of days. Um, but it was hot, very, very hot, probably, I think this is around the time it was one of the hottest weeks of, of, of the year for Tampa. And, um, you know, people were on the verge of passing out, you know, I was one of those people. Um, but we got it done, man. And it, you know, uh, it, you know, when you look at it from this angle, from the, from the, the, um, from this, you know, bird's eye view, it looks really good, man. And, uh, I'm proud of it. It's my first mural. Um, and I'm um, looking forward to doing some more of those, for sure. Well, first of all, to start with something like this is your first mural is already impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go through like the struggle, like you said, trying to get everything together, man. They talk about struggling for your art. Y'all really out here about to get heat exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> trying to no, straight, straight up. Like at the end, bro, they were, um, they were like, all right, everybody, let's take a picture. I'm like, dude, I'm about to die. <laughs> like, le- legit about to die. Oh, but man. yeah, uh, but it was fun, man. Which uh, which piece or pieces of this did you really uh, contribute to or were your own? Yeah, so if you look at the top where that face is, mm-hmm. sideways, that's uh, kind of a tribal mask yeah. uh, character. That's my, that's the piece that I did. I um, yeah. And I freestyled it, man, to be honest with you, because I had an idea, but when I got there, they had changed the... Uh, they had changed the layout a little bit. So I had to kind of just work on the fly. And um, so that's, that was the end result. Hey man, the, the end result is dope, especially knowing the story behind it, you had to freestyle it. Cause I, mm-hmm. like I told you before, when I was trying to be a graphic artist in the military, they literally gave me like uh, the compass, you know what I mean? With the pencil on one and everything, try to oh, yeah. measure, try to do all this stuff. <laughs> and it was still trash. And you out here yeah, yeah, yeah. adjusting on the fly about to pass out from heat exhaustion and just doing yeah. something like this with your first mural, man. That's, that's dope. 
You know what Thank I'm saying? you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. After this, like I said, let's link up and give me that uh, the address so I can tell people where they can go see it at. Because I mean, I will. That's yeah. definitely something. I got next time I roll through Tampa, I'm for sure gonna stop by and yeah. try to check that out, man. That's that's. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it for you, man. I, I think I got it on my phone here, but yeah, for sure. That's what's up. So I guess you've got all the visual art and everything. Do you ever use your visual art and your music together to kind of do like a I don't know, like a multi-sensory thing, or you just or you keep them completely separate right now? um that's a good question uh i have not um kind of intertwined the two uh and, and when i say that i mean from a painting perspective or from a from a i haven't done a piece specifically and in, in intertwined it with the music but the same the same brain that i use to paint a picture is the same uh creative brain that i use when coming up with a music video or any of the, the album art that we've done in the past, along with, uh, you know, my partner, I used to be in a, a group called the basics and, um, you know, I had a, I had somebody I could collaborate with, but yeah, same, using the same parts of my brain to create those visuals in, in a video, I would say I've used it in that way. Uh, and then album art and, and stuff like that, I would say it's come into play for sure. Yeah. So what kind of music do you, uh, let me ask two questions. What type mm -hmm. of music do you do and uh, what type of instrument or instruments do you play? So you never, you've never heard my music, have you? Nah, man, I, like I said, I'm about to check it out <laughs> for sure after this. Yeah, definitely check it out, but because I know you're a hip hop fan. So I know that, I know you're gonna, you'll, you'll be able to connect with it, but um, it's hip hop, uh, but it's not your, uh, I guess, you know, I don't like to label it, but people have called it like alternative hip hop or, you know, uh, things of that nature. But ultimately it's hip hop. Um, you know, there may be some more melodies in it than your traditional hip hop. Uh, there may be, um, you know, some rock elements or some uh, electronic elements that we add <clears throat> um, that you might not hear in, in you know, a traditional hip hop song, but it, it fundamentally is hip hop. You know, fundamentally is hip hop. Hey. I actually have, yeah, have, uh, so I put out four projects all together. I've got one on, there's one that's on all streaming services under the basics uh, that you can pick up called Your Life is Calling. Um, and under the basics, we've, we've done three projects all together. Um, and then I did a solo. Um, EP, so to speak. I think that was a couple years ago. And I, and then I do collaborations with, with artists, uh, you know, locally and, and regionally. Um, and that's kind of how I stay. That's how I get my fix. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, doing collaborations and stuff like that. So it's All fun, right, so, man. So who would you say, not necessarily your inspirations when it comes to like uh, hip hop and everything like that, but who's some of the artists that you're really checking right now? Who are you listening to? Right now? Yeah. Right now, um, that's a good question, man, because I listen to so many different artists, not just hip hop either. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was raised by women, man. So uh, I, I have a, a strong connection to, to female artists. So I think of an artist like a SZA mm -hmm. um, as, as one of my favorites. Her is another one of my favorites. Um, you know, I like everybody from TDE. Every yeah, single, yeah. every single one of those artists, I love, man. I, I can't wait to hear, 
what Kendrick is going to bring to the table. I don't know where the hell he's at. We need him. Bring your ass out. Uh, but I love all those artists. Um, trying to think if there's anybody, anybody kind of outside the box uh, that I've been listening. Smino, there's an artist named Smino, uh, who's really dope. He's kind of got this melodic twang to his to his uh, to his music. Um, yeah, there's so many, man, a bunch. So how, how you spell Smino? S M I N O. Yeah, yeah, Smino. Yeah, yeah. I have to check him out for sure too, man. Definitely. How you feel about uh, Rhapsody? I like Rhapsody. I like Rhapsody. Now, here's the thing, bro. Here's the thing. I can like somebody, mm-hmm. but not really dig their whole body of work. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and for me, Rhapsody, I'm, you know, she, she falls into that category for me. She can rap. There's no question about it. But there's something, for me, for me, I need, I need a little bit more of an element, you know, I like, I said this, I said this many times, man, I like those, those, that element of danger in my music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, she's dope. She's solid. She's a solid artist. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, I grew up on motherfucking Foxy Brown, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, the Il Nana. You remember that album? <laughs> you I remember that album? Bro? I wasn't allowed to listen to that album, so I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I remember it. <laughs> well, well, what else? So I grew up on that yeah. type of uh, hip hop. So when I think of female, all these female, there's not too many female MCs, bro, that, that, are, are really killing it. Rhapsody would be up there, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. She would definitely be up there. Yeah, I think Rhapsody's latest project was probably the one where I really started checking for. I already, I always kind of kept her on the, the, my peripherals, you know what I mean? Like, I would mm-hmm. look for her every once in a while, but her latest project, that was the one from end to end I really bumped, and I was like, all right, yeah, she really, she finally hitting her speed, and she really yeah. finding uh, herself and what her voice and everything is. And then also the dedication that every song was named after a uh, powerful black woman that she, you know, right. inspired her and stuff like that. Just the whole concept was dope. But uh, yeah, and I, I and I owe, I owe her I owe her another listen, if I'm being honest, I, I do. And hey I'm man, do look man, I'm I'm with you though. I'm I'm you can appreciate somebody's skill their vibe and everything and just not be for you you know what i mean or maybe not mm-hmm. where you're at right now even you know what i'm saying like there's there's artists that when they came out and they were first popping i'm like i wasn't really checking for them and now years right. later because either i'm in a different place or the music is aged in a certain way you know i go back and i'm like all right i was i was wrong on this or maybe i'm just into it now whatever the case is you know i'm so. a pretty tough critic too bro <laughs> I, I really am bro. like i'm a tough critic man but uh no i like rhapsody i like her tone yeah. that's what i do like about her and and uh you know, so I'm gonna. I owe her another listen, man, and I I, I promise to do that for sure. But I, I, I'm I'm so with you on Kendrick, though. That's the problem with these artistic dudes, man. Like you, that's people like you. You guys, you have a whole vision, and especially somebody like Kendrick, take forever to bring that vision, you know, to fruition. He's gonna be. He's one of those dudes who's in the lab for hours trying to get it yeah. right, and then. I heard it a hundred hours ago. I hear it now. It sounds the same to me, but he's like, nah, man. There's a different part right here. The horn hits different. You know, the vocal oh, yeah. inflection's different or whatever. Um, yeah. And I actually got to see him live twice in the same year. I know, motherfucker. I saw the pics, bro. I was so jealous. I was so hot, bro. I was so mad. I was like, nah. Bro, the funniest thing about that, too, is so my girl bought that for me for my birthday. Like, I, it was all her idea. I would never thought about it for myself. Right, right. Um, and then we go, we'll get ready to meet him. And the security guard comes to me and says, all right, you know, do this, do that. And he's like, don't kiss him. He's like, don't kiss him. <laughs> like, I had Damn, no bro. idea in my head to kiss him. But now you sitting there, you said it. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, but nah, he was I mad guess. cool, man. Real little dude, though. He's small. He's mad small. Right. 
Well, well, I thought his, I, I thought that whole concept was was so dope, man. To have like a couch, mm-hmm. like a living room set up, and have uh, fans be able to come and, and snap a pig. That was dope, man. Man, but just the the show itself, though. Uh, when yeah. you're talking about everything being put together in an artistic way, when you're talking about the entire right. concept of that album, because I was back when he was still rocking heavy with Kung Fu Kenny and everything like that too. Mm-hmm. So he had actually like a swordsman come out on stage and right. do like an entire choreographed like fight scene right there with him on stage. And then when he started doing another verse, the dude's like coming within inches of him and everything like that, swinging the sword and doing all that type of stuff. Oh, shit. The whole whole thing was crazy, man. And we, we were in like the second row or something like that. And so, because I knew how good that was. My sister actually graduated mm-hmm. from college uh, later that year. So I flew, I was like, all right, come on, fly out. We're going to celebrate. And then yeah. I told her we was going to meet one of her homegirls downtown. I mean, which was true, but what she didn't know is that I actually bought us tickets to the Kendrick show and got it to where we could go down on the floor again and see the whole thing. And she had never been, of course. And so, that's dope, man. Uh, but that was wild though. And that's why this is, this is the downside to rap. Sometimes you got to watch yourself. Uh, YG was an opener. And he brought out strippers. So I'm sitting there with my sister <laughs> and he got strippers everywhere. I'm like, I don't, this is cool. I'm out YG with crazy, man. YG's <laughs> yeah. a crazy boy. Yeah. yeah, I actually uh I got a chance to see Kendrick when he was when he when he was kind of I think it may have been like his first or second big tour. It was kind of like he did a college tour and then he did like a uh I don't know if it was like a I can't remember if it was like a a BT tour or something like that, but I saw him, schoolboy, Absol. Uh, and it was dope, man. Saw him at Czar. Um, yeah. Or the Ritz. They call it the Ritz. Yeah. Now, yeah. I almost went to that show, man. That was back in the day. I think he still had the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Absol is another one, man. People don't really. Oh, Absol is so dope. So uh, dope, bro. I love Absol. So his, his lyricism is crazy, man. Like, for oh, yeah. sure. And, but he's another yeah. dude who don't drop, like, ever. He has one album right. in five years. I'm like, how are y'all eating off this? <laughs> Bro, yeah, and that especially now with COVID, there's no tours, there's no none of that, man. So, yeah, man, uh, I, I don't understand it, but I appreciate it. But this year, especially, I was I was lucky too because my my new favorite group, uh, they did drop an album uh, right in the midst of all the um, the racial turmoil and everything like that. You know, Run the Jewels, they dropped their latest mm. album, and then them boys get after it, man. That, oh yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. No, the Run the Jewels is dope, bro. I know, uh, I know, um, you know, a lot of cats that kind of came up with with them, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of the guys that that I do music with, a lot of producers used to run in the same circles, man. So it's it's dope to see them, you know, that that collaboration happen and then be successful, man. And you know, that's crazy. Because um, they, that, how many projects do they have out now? Like three or four or more? This is the fourth. Yeah, this is the this fourth. Is the fourth, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. I love them cats, bro. Yeah, I, I just love the story behind it, too, how they actually came together. It's the, again, that old organic story, man, where, you know, somebody referenced LP to Killer Mike, and so he does one song, and the Killer Mike just kept bugging him to do the whole album. And he's like, yeah. man, I told you I ain't doing the album. He's like, you ain't mean that. Come on. And it eventually does it, and they just find out that they're basically, like, really good. Uh, they have the same mentality when it comes to music and just life in general, and they end up being Chemistry. best friends and just doing yeah. all these albums out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Right. So you have all these uh, A&Rs and all these other people who put together these rap groups and stuff and they don't work out because people don't actually like each other. And you right. have this one where people just, they just kicked it and they're like, you know what, we should go ahead and make some music. Let's do this. Yeah, chemistry is everything, bro. Like, uh, you know, having been in a in a duo uh, with another person and, and you know, having a successful kind of run, uh, chemistry is everything. And when it's off, it's off. 
You know, but uh, another group that's kind of like that too is Gnarls Barkley. Yeah, I yeah, always yeah, thought yeah. CeeLo and Danger Mouse. That was like, yo, this is this is insane. Um, the type of music that, that these two create, man. I would love to see them just keep making music forever, bro, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, CeeLo's another one of those dudes, man. I think uh, the whole Goody Mob, really, and Outkast and all of, that, uh, all of them in that same time frame, uh, mm-hmm. where they play with a lot more than your traditional hip-hop, and that's where you saw things really start to elevate. You know what I mean? Right. Like you said, Nari right. Barkley really did some really cool things with that. And then mm-hmm. uh, just anything that they've touched for the most part, and his voice in general is crazy. Right. Yeah, his voice. If you like his voice, man, yeah, you 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 like Smino. That dude is is kind of not that they're the same, but but yeah. you know they're they're unique. They're, they're a little different than your average average uh, artist, man. Very dope. No, Love CeeLo. I'm with you, man. I, I know how a lot of people, like I said, they they you find a certain person, and hopefully you find them right before they blow, because that's the best time. Because you're like oh, you yeah. you hear them, and you're like you hear what's going to go somewhere, and then next thing people start actually finding out. Because yeah. uh, that, that was the way, you know, with Childish Gambino. Obviously, a lot of people uh, was on him. And now I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stand here, though, and say this because I've been telling people this quietly. But I'm so mad at that dude, though. Like, why, why are the people who can rap start doing other music? Like, cool, yeah, man, the funk is good and all that shit's cool and everything. But, bro, you was a good rapper. Just go back to that. I got oh, Gambino? Gambino? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I went from, uh, what was it, Because the Internet or whatever his last uh, project was before he stopped rapping and started doing the other music. And I picked it up, didn't even read nothing about it, didn't do anything. And then I'm like eight songs in, I'm like, this dude ain't gonna rap? It's like, what the hell is this? It's like, <laughs> That's how I felt when uh, Dre dropped The Love Below. Dog, I'm like, yeah. really? But then you go back to it, you, you know, years later, and there's value in it, but but you damn sure wanted him to rap on The Love Below. Everybody did, right? And it was just, it wasn't there, but he had fallen out of, he, I guess he had kind of fallen out of, out of love with, with just straight rapping, which I, I completely understand. Um, but yeah, that's another one of my fav- favorite artists, man, Dre, um, Andre 3000, that whole vibe, the Dungeon family, that whole crew, man, is is, is dope. Childish Gambino was somebody that, <clears throat> and again, I'm a tough critic, so yeah, yeah. Childish Gambino was somebody that I always looked at as a, um, like it was clear to me that that he, and I, you know, I, should, I probably shouldn't say this, but like, I believe that there's some artists that that are great mimickers. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're very good at mimicking, um, or knowing how to take a sound or take a style and do it. And and, and I've seen that time and time again. And, and most people, the layman fan won't won't pick up on that at all. But but I. To me, I feel like when I, when I see it, it's like, oh, you're doing this or you're doing that. Um, you're definitely influenced by Kanye, which he said that multiple times and yeah. things like that. And it was, I, you're doing Kanye right now. And then there was a point where he was doing Drake. And then there was a point where he was doing D'Angelo when he was doing, uh, what, what, what was it, um, Redbone? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, because that's, what is that? I mean, not saying that that, not saying that you can't be that guy too, but are you that guy or are you just doing that 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 style? Mm-hmm. Um, because you think I, I don't know, you know. So so Gambino is one of those guys. He's always going to be fine, and he's always going to be popular, and and he'll be fine artistically. But he's always going to be one of those guys on the fringe for me, because he. Uh, I I do like this is America though. 
I, I mean, like that video, that, that, that visual was dope. So I, I say the same thing. I think everybody says about This is America. I heard it before I saw mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, right. all right. The only thing I, like I said, just giving you the other side of what I just said, like I was excited. Oh, he might actually go back to rapping. I'm like, cool, cool. <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't that. Right. But the video, and then you see the video and you're like, oh, there's a whole other thing. This, this yeah. is way different. Like you just did yeah. the song so you could do the video. This song ain't really about nothing without the video. Right. Yeah, he's smart, man. He's he's but he is the thing. He's a he's a Hollywood actor, dude. Like yeah. he's an entertainer. He's in that business, so he knows what's gonna strike a chord with people. And um, good for him, man. You know, good for him. But when you talk about the goats and you talk about the greatest mm -hmm. of this generation, you talk about Kendrick. You talk about Drake. You talk about you know cast of the cast like that. You know what I'm saying? And <clears throat> you know. I know, I know it's popular to hate on Drake, but that boy's work ethic, man. You, yeah. He's the opposite of Kendrick. That boy's putting out uh, almost DMX numbers. You remember DMX dropped those two albums in that one year. Drake out what? here every couple of days, it seemed like, with a new album or song. Yeah. And like he'll drop and not even do any uh, marketing or anything like that. And you're like, damn, man, what right. the hell? You just had a CD out. And then now that his latest video, bro, I can't, that's just hilarious. I can't stop He's watching. got a new video out? Yeah, him and uh, Lil Durk. And then it's got KD in it. It's got uh, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Oh, shit. Odell Beckham, like everybody. Oh, I think I did see it. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. Hilarious. The song, again, and that's one of those things. If you hear the song without the video, it ain't really anything special. Right. But now you watch it with the visuals of the video, it's hilarious because he's clowning right. himself the whole time. He's playing like a corny dude. He's not trying to be right. like your traditional rap figure where you're bigger than life and everything like that. He's getting dunked on by KD. Marshawn Lynch tackles him and yeah. calls him a punk and all that. So, I mean, it's dope. and then he does the crying, but the cry that is one of the things. When you talk about acting, Drake needs to do mm -hmm. more acting, period. He did SNL mm -hmm. once back in the day. I saw him. He's a good actor, man. Like, he, yeah. again, he ain't Denzel or nothing like that, but <clears throat> he needs to do more right. acting for sure. He's hilarious to me. Right. But, yeah. But I, I'm with you, though, as far as like a lot of the artists go and where you, they don't touch the goats. And I would never consider anybody in there, like I said, the goats. I have to be honest, not from, again, not from a content perspective, but maybe from a work ethic and from what is achieved perspective. Drake is starting to approach some of those levels. But mm -hmm. if you, again, you put them up lyrically against any of these dudes, you know, like my, one of my personal favorites, and I don't necessarily consider him a goat, I just think it's one of my favorites, like I said, Killer Mike. Killer Mike's mm -hmm. uh, lyrics, man, the delivery and everything he's done, you know, from back from his outcast days and everything else, that boy is just gifted. He's, he's good, especially right. big, as big as he is with that breath control, man. I don't know how the hell he did all that. Because that's a big dude. Yeah, well, he's, he's been doing it so long, bro. You know how it is. If you're doing something and you don't ever stop really doing it, you, you have the ability to, to do it um, at a high level, man. But yeah, Killer Mike's dope. You know, if I had to pick, you know, <laughs> I could talk about hip hop all day, bro. We could turn this whole thing into a, a straight hip hop podcast. But hey, it is what it is, man. <laughs> when, 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 um, when I think about great MCs and I think about great projects, and we talk about people that don't get their, their just rewards, one of my favorites, if not my, probably my favorite, um, is Dead Press. Dead Press. Um, if you go back and listen to Let's Get Free, which was their, their first album, I guarantee you everything that they were saying in that, on that project was, was, was so prophetic. It fits so perfectly. I, I, I implore anybody that's watching this to go back and listen to Dead Prez's first album, Let's Get Free. Um, 
and it's 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 they lay everything out, man. They lay everything out in terms of what's happening right now in the world, um, how we should internally uh, process and deal with that from a mental, physical, and spiritual standpoint. No artists were doing that. I mean, you had your uh, public enemies and and that were that were political, and they would approach things from that level. But Dead Prez, bro, have have has always. Um, spoke to doing it from the inside, you know, from the inside, and then building up community, and then uh, how to protest, and, and, and just how to, how to, you know, they got a song on there called Drink Water for crying, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, stuff like that, man. So um, those are the type of artists that, 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 that move me, and, and artists that have that type of content. That's why I like Kendrick. That's why I like Cole. Um, and some of the others, man. So, but I think what you're talking about there too with Dead Prez is they've been doing it for so long, man. And they were around back when rap was really a form of escapism more than anything for a lot of people. Not saying all of it was like that. Obviously, you still had like a tribe called Quest of that era and all that type of stuff too. But uh, people weren't looking necessarily as much for consciousness in rap. I think that has started to come back around. I'm not saying that it's ever going to be number one on the pop charts or anything like that for a conscious rap, but uh, I do think that people are starting to understand the value of conscious rap and people being yeah. conscious with their message in it. And, you know, cause yeah. it, you, I think Dead Prez was around the same time as uh, bands like Rage Against the Machine, you know, uh, or other bands like that. And they, again, they have a similar message, but they also have a message of self-empowerment, which those other bands didn't have. And I think that's right. the, the disconnect between them. And that's why they're so right. powerful uh, for a lot of people. But I mean, yeah. like I said, man, you give me a lot to do after we get off this call. Like I got to look up <laughs> artists. I got to go listen to music and everything. Right. Like that. Get busy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. They actually, uh, well, one of the members, uh, Stickman, um, he actually did. Uh, he, he dropped two albums solo, but it's only it's 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 called Workout and Workout Two. Mm -hmm. It's all about working out and eating eating right and and if you're ever working out, man, you know which I know you're. I know you work out. Uh, you're an athlete. Um, play those song, Play that album, bro. Play them. Play those albums, man. It'll get you through the workout. It'll give you that that motivation, that energy. Um, you know, I, I, that's what I listen to when I do my cardio and, and stuff like that, man. So, yeah, is we it, just is, plugged. I'm going to say, is it Stickman or is it the other, uh, was it M1 or the other dude? or a... M1's the other dude, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so Stick is the one that has to work out, work out one and work out two. So it's Stickman. Right, right, right. Is Stickman the vegan or is M1 the vegan? Because I remember, I think I've seen some of their work. I, one of them, I swear, maybe I'm getting my, my wires crossed here, but one of them, I swear, is like a vegan and has like an actual... Uh, he was on some documentary I was watching where they were talking to him about how he like, has his own garden and he's growing, he's teaching his kids to grow and like they meditate yeah. and all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? I think they, I think they both are vegan, if I'm not mistaken, but stick man. Yeah. Stick is the one that's a little bit more out there with it. Him and his wife and his kids. And, and he's definitely more of a spokesperson for the lifestyle. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's stick. You might be talking about stick. I just think, like I said, that entire, uh, character is interesting because you're talking about what is basically the antithesis of rap people are talking about rap again is nothing but uh drugs and women and all this right. other stuff whatever you got to do it like you said he's he's making songs about drink water uh work out yeah. and, stuff, you know, and, and it's hard too and it's hard the way yeah. it, 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 that's the thing about it, it it's so hard like his lyrics are fucking you know they're dope 
you know, it doesn't sound like he's preaching. It doesn't sound like it. He's, it's just, you know, the Duke, you know, he, he knows how to deliver the message and it not be corny. You know what I mean? Anybody who came from the era and heard Jesus walks from Kanye, you know what I mean? Which is basically just a gospel song. And now of course he's doing gospel music, but when Jesus walks mm-hmm. first came out, man, come on. That, that beat yeah. and everything was hidden. Now, of course, times pass and that may not feel the same right. anymore, but I feel right. you. So what you're talking about is not necessarily that you don't have to make a song boring to make it informational or make it mean something or whatever. And I think that's, yeah. a, again, what a lot of conscious rappers lost because there are some dudes, man, like Immortal Technique was one of them for me. I like, I, I like the content of some of the songs and then the song, of course, about, uh, oh, what's the name of that song? Where he, he ends up like finding out he raped his own mother or something like that. Oh man! I don't think I heard that. One. It's not. It's not like biographical. Obviously, it's it's supposed to be like right. illustrative of how you have to be careful when you're on the streets and doing dirty stuff because you could be doing it to somebody you know or somebody you love. And gotcha, everybody gotcha. is somebody to somebody. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But but anyways, just his flow, man. I can never get with like the message. Sometimes cool, and like, but I just couldn't get with the flow. Like I just fit right. right on the beat for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You funny you mention that, bro, because I have a lot of friends in the in the music world that. They love some of the, what I would consider like backpack rappers and, and things of that. And and I've I've never been that like, you know, there was a there was a clear split. I don't know, how, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm I think I have you. Okay, so I, I have you, I got 10 years on you. Okay. So there was a there was a clear split that happened when there was like, okay, so after Rakim, so you had Rakim, you had Big Daddy Kane, right? Um, a lot of people were Rakim. Still to this day, they consider Rakim one of the goats, which I agree with. But I, I always kind of went towards the Big Daddy Kane. I always went that because f- he was a little smooth. He had the smooth flow. He had the background dancers. He was just more laid back. And then there was a time period that that De La Soul and and Tribe and and they came. But if you recall, that was around the same time that N.W.A. kind of popped up. So with me, where I was at in my life. In my neighborhood, we were listening to NWA. I listened to De La. So Pajos in My Lawn, that whole, what was that, Three foot, three Feet High and Rising? Is that the name of the album? I could be wrong. But I listened to that one, and it was dope. It was cool. But once I heard that NWA, I was, I was gone, bro. You know, that was just, I was on that wave, and, and it was early, man. I was young. But but see, I, where, where I grew up, it, it was a little little. A spot called uh, Port Tampa, which is down there by the Air Force Base. I think you were, were stationed at McDill, but back in Port Tampa in the in the eighties and nineties, Port Tampa was a wild place to be. You know, it was a really wild place to be. Um, we're talking crack era, crack epidemic, uh, ravaged, ravaged that little town. I mean, that little that little neighborhood. You know. Um, so we would see the dope boys come through and they would be blasting that NWA, man. And then, and I kind of went, you know, I went that direction. And so when, when, when I have conversations with, with some of my hip hop heads now about who they like and, and, you know, I'm just not there with, like, I, I can't even go there with him. Cause I'm like, man, he's all right. He's all right. You know what I'm saying? But he's not, but he's not this dude, you know, he's not that, you know? So like I said, I'm finicky when it comes to, uh, to that man and I, some backpack rap I can't even do it's just like rapidity rap 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 yeah, yeah. Like, nah, bro, that ain't it 
You know, I, give me something I, I can feel, you know? Look, man, you don't have to explain that to me. I still, I remember, and this is in the 90s and 2000 era, uh, I had the Easy Does It tape. You know what I mean? I'm yes. set up with a cassette tape and I popped it in and I'd, we'd get out of class and <laughs> pop that in and play it in the hallway and I'm walking around the places and stuff like that. And everybody mm -hmm. else is like, what the hell is this? Because by then, right. like what, you know, 12, 13 years old or something like that. So they never mm -hmm. heard Easy E like that. So, right, right. Uh, no, I'm with you, man. Uh, a lot of that old, but I think that's also what you're talking about is again, it's some form of music as escapism and just enjoyment. Not yeah. everything has to be that. Like I'm not sitting around all day watching documentaries. I'm gonna watch Goodfellas. No. I'm gonna watch Scarface. You know what I mean? I'm gonna watch right. something else for enjoyment. And music's the same way. And raps especially is the same way because it's such a broad genre because mm -hmm. unlike a lot of other uh, musics, well, not so much anymore. I'll get to that in a second, but uh, you can actually hear what they're saying and you can put together yeah. the concept of what they're trying to build. And so you can resonate more so with what that particular song is about compared to yeah. you know, rock or something like that. Now, like I was saying today, they do have a lot of what's called mumble rap, which again, bro, I've listened to not a lot because I, really, I don't really like him, but uh, Young Thug, mm -hmm. can't understand a damn word that man is saying. Like 90% of the time, man, I swear, that Lifestyle mm -hmm. song, I think it was him, uh, but bro, I get Lifestyle, that's it. The whole song, I don't understand nothing else but Lifestyle. <laughs> All the words, man. I can't get nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, that goes back to tribalism, bro. That goes back to our roots, if you think about it, man. Mm -hmm. Because what what that is is that that's that Atlanta. Uh, I believe he's uh, he may be from East Atlanta. I could be wrong. If Young Thug, if you're watching, I apologize. <laughs> if Young Thug <laughs> is watching this, I apologize yeah. for nothing because that Young means we got somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but you know they cre you create a dialect, man. Um, every place, every hood has it. You know, you go to Baltimore uh, and listen to the way they the, the way that they, the way they talk in the hood. It's weird, you know. It's real weird. Um, and it, it's the same way in, in in you know in Atlanta, man. So they create that dialect, and you know, I was just some mumble rap I can't do, but. But because I have young kids and because I'm in the music and I never really I never really left the music, I fuck with it. I fuck with some of the newer shit. I don't have a problem with a young thug. Um it is like I look at it as that's him creating his thing. Like he's painting his picture, right? If if Basquiat, you know, you compare you compare a young thug to a Basquiat. Right. If you're used to looking at Mona Lisa's, then you're going to want Mona Lisa's. But then this kid comes and starts painting all over the page. And and that's how I look at it. And so there's oftentimes where I'll get in discussions with, with cats my age that just they're stuck in the 90s. If it's not 90s, if it's not, um, you know, then, then they're stuck there. But um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think with, with the younger artists, you know, some of them have some shit to say. Some of them, you, it takes them a little while. You got to wait till maybe their second project to where you can, you know, where you could feel something like, uh, um, are you familiar with Lil Baby? I, I am. I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff, but I, I try to get into it. Because right. again, he's one of those dudes who, about his work ethic, man. He's in there yeah. grinding. Well, Lil Baby actually, um, he kind of came up under Young Thug. Young Thug actually, uh, as the story goes, Young Thug kind of went and pulled him off the street and said, yo, get in the studio. But he's he's same guy, same kind of dialect. A lot of it will go right over your head if you're not familiar. But he did a song in response to the George Floyd mm. uh, stuff, which was, I can't remember the name of it, but if you look it up, it's 
you know, it, it went viral. Um, and he rapped mm -hmm. and he had substance and the lyrics were there, you know, they came out. Um, and for the first time, that was probably the first time a lot of people got to hear him really rap and, 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 and say something of substance. Uh, so, you know, what that does is that makes people go, well, let me check out the rest of his shit and see mm -hmm. what's going on. And, um, and he's got stories to tell, man. And he's he's actually pretty good. So from the newer generation, that's somebody. If you if I'm if I'm giving you homework, <laughs> that's another one. Yeah. That would be another one to maybe at least check out that video because the the, the, uh, the George Floyd response um, video was very very dope, very powerful. So I wanted to say something before we move on that what I was saying about Young Thug. That's not me hating because I like I said that lifestyle song. <laughs> Bro, I've listened to that like 30,000 times. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that song. It's just, I'm just saying, as many times I've heard it, I still don't get any of the lyrics unless, and I'm not, I refuse to look at Rap Genius or anything like that. I want to hear it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn that dialect one of these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, Lil Baby's another one, like I said, that a lot of the old cats give him respect too because of what he's mm -hmm. trying to do and what he's what work he's putting into the game for sure. Yeah. He's, uh, he's already been somebody I've been trying to listen to a little bit more, but that's yeah. that's the problem, man, with not having a radio anymore. You know, when it was a radio, it was come on. I had to listen to it, so right. I might actually get into something I wouldn't normally. But now that I don't have that, I just find myself listening to whatever I recognize. Like, bro, the Locks just dropped an album, and I've been banging that. <laughs> oh, I saw. Yeah, I've been banging that as well. Um, played it a couple times, man. And they got the video with DMX as well. Right, DMX, man. I I don't care how old I get. DMX and Jadakiss, those two ad libs. If I hear that on a song, immediately uh, I'm I'm ready. Like I'm yeah. I'm listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But speaking of the George Floyd situation too, man, how's that been for your boys and everything like that? I feel like you're the type of dude who is pretty honest and uh, educational with them anyway. So I mean, I I don't imagine that it was too too uh, out the blue for them. But I just how's that been talking to you know young boys in a world like this right now where they can't escape it? Um. It's, it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have uh, because, you know, I'm raising two African-Americans in America and they're boys and they're 100% boy, you know, uh, testosterone through the roof already at a young age. So, yeah, the conversations are difficult, but I, you know, they're needed. Um, they're vital, in fact. Um, you know, so... I am very upfront with my kids, uh, you know, and it's my style of, of parenting. I don't, you know, think people should do what they feel they need to do for their kids. But I believe during this time, you have to have real honest conversations. And so uh, when, when all of these things are happening, because it's not the, the George Floyd was, was, uh, may have been the powder keg, but, but there's been, videos and shootings and things going on for for as long as they've been alive right um as long as i've been alive this shit's been going on it's just more visual or more visible now with, with social media and my kids have tablets um and their friends share videos and they're on youtube that's what the kids do nowadays they live on youtube everything's there for them they listen to music on youtube so these stories come up and, and you know, you, you you have to talk to them and just say, listen, this is what it is. This is where we came from. This is, you got to give them the foundation, right? You can't just say, this is the problem. You got, you have to paint the picture of, of where we came from as a country, right? As a people, 
first as a people and then as a country uh, and, and lead your way up into where we are now. And so I've, I've given them information. I've given them homework to do in terms of, okay, you guys like to be on your tablets and watch YouTube. Go look up uh, Harriet Tubman. Go look up the Underground Railroad. Go look up the Boston Tea Party. Go look up whatever it may be, right? Um, and then let's talk about it. So they have an understanding of, of, of you know, how we got here. Um, they, they understand what slavery is. Uh, they understand uh, what racism is. They understand that, you know, people died like Martin Luther King and, and you know, Harriet Tubman and others that risked their lives to get us to the next level and, and the next level and the next level. <clears throat> um, so once they have an understanding of what all that is, man, it's just really about having real honest conversations about now we got to talk about the police, right? Now we have to talk about, you know, my 13, about to be 14 year old who in two years, he'll be driving, you know, um, how do you respond to police? How do you uh, conduct yourself if you're pulled over? Um, what does that look like? You know, could something still happen to you even if you follow all the rules? You know, um, guilty by association. Don't do stupid shit. If people are doing stupid shit, don't be around those people, you know? Um, you know, those are real conversations that I have to have. This is survival tactic. It has a survival tactic. You know, it's, it's really about, hey, it's very important that you don't do this, this, and this in this circumstance and, and under this situation. Um, and, and getting them to understand that, you know, and getting them to, for that to sink in, you know, because kids have short-term memories. Uh, you know, they, they listen, it's in one ear, not the other. Um, so it's a reoccurring uh, message that, that I have, and we have open dialogue at all times when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff you touched on there is, for me, why we end up in a lot of these situations from a conversation perspective anyways, not specifically with your boys, but because growing up Black, you have that context. We've been mm -hmm. raised in that context, and just, you know, we grew up in it this whole time, and a lot of people are just now really coming uh, let's say aware of it. And right. I think that changes when you have something that's ingrained in your very being to being 35, 45, whatever the age of these people are. And they're just mm -hmm. now seeing it. They're just now learning it. So that's one of the blessings and the curse of say social media, because I, I, I think that's what allowed people to hide from it for their entire life because there wasn't a social media where they couldn't, you know, because like you said, people have been getting killed and beaten all this other stuff since both of us have been alive and before we were alive. And we've been aware of it pretty much our entire lives. However, right. not every community has, including again, uh, shockingly, some of the black community as well. And, you know, mm -hmm. like when I try to, I ask people and I didn't know this was a little known fact until relatively recently, I asked people, Hey, are you aware of uh, black wall street, you know, and the Oklahoma massacre and that type of stuff. And they're like, I don't know. What's that? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Right. And it's just those things that I think America has done a disservice to its own people by not teaching them that because yeah. context changes <clears throat> how things feel. Context changes what we think and uh, what we are aware of. You know what I mean? So 
I think it's great for, for Jay and everybody else uh, in your household, because I know it's not just the little boys, you know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that are getting trained up on that, because again, that context helps and then they can help educate others. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the one good thing I'll say that has come from the situations we're having, I'm having more conversations in households that don't necessarily look like mine. And I, I'm, they're asking some, you know, either my input or just talking to me openly because we're, we have that connection anyways, uh, you know, about the conversations they're having with their kids and the conversations they've had some of them, like they've told me, like they're like, they couldn't believe their family members were saying some of the stuff they were saying, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, and then, you know, I got white family members. I'm, I'm with you. I've heard that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so I think yeah. it's just an interesting time for that because, and this is what I told somebody before, George Floyd getting killed didn't affect me because that's not new to me. I've seen that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What affected me a little bit more was the conversations going on from people I considered friends, you know what I mean? And seeing what they were saying, what their true thoughts were and everything like that. And that's sad yeah. because a man lost his life. That should be the impact. But again, that's, that's not new. I expect that. It's the rest of it that I was hoping, I guess I hoped was better than it actually was. And that's me being naive. No, yeah, that's a hundred percent, man. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's disappointing is what, you know, that's the first thing it's like, wait a minute, you seem, in all, for all intents and purposes, you seem to be, you know, and I'm talking about friends that we have or acquaintances or people that we deal with, when you hear them say something um, <clears throat> outlandish, they, you, you seem to be, you know, intelligent, you seem to know, uh, general, you know, you seem to have a, a general level of understanding. Why is it that it's so hard for you to understand that this is a real issue? You know, because if you if you bring it all back to, to those people that, that say those things, whatever those things are, um, and there's various different uh, things going around that, that, that people say are all lives matter is, is a huge hot button right now. Um, but various different things, right? You ask the person, well, well, do you do you believe that systemic racism exists or, or no? Yes or no? Because let's get to the fundamental uh, aspect of it, because we need to at least agree on that very principle. And and if you can't, if we can't agree on that there, it's going to be a, a tough road moving forward. And so the way that I try to, because I've also had uh, conversations with you know, white people about this um, very topic in in intelligent conversations. It wasn't no not arguing, just your. Let me see, have your point of view, and let me explain my my point of view. And it's been enlightening, to be honest with you, um, to get the other side because you know it's important. Um, and one of the biggest things is is. When I, when I try to explain systemic racism to those who don't believe it exists, I, I equate it to someone going into a pond with a huge boulder and just dropping that boulder on. And that boulder is racism, okay? And the ripple effect from that boulder crashing against the shores is what we're is the systemic nature of racism. So first things first, can we agree that a boulder was dropped 
in the pond? Can we agree that there was racism and slavery? Yes, we can. So if you can agree that that happened, then you have to also concede the fact that from that there is a ripple effect. And that ripple effect comes in all, in various aspects. It comes, uh, you know, certain things we just can't do. Education, ownership of land, own uh, rights, basic human rights that we're just, you know, that, that we just got. People need to understand is that anytime you put a, 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 a disenfranchised group of people in a, in, in a spot, you're going to have a, a, an imbalance of those who have and those who have not. And anytime there's an imbalance so great, which is what the imbalance is in America and has been since we were brought over on slave ships, those who have and those who have not, you're always going to have um, issues like this. And so just because we're wearing Chanel, just because Beyonce and Jay-Z are billionaires, just because Barack Obama was president, um, doesn't mean that the ripple effect is not still affecting people. Um, and so when you have these situations of police brutality um, and people getting killed by the police, people of color getting harassed, profiled, um, battered, um, their rights being, it's not new. This has been, we've been, it's been dealt with since we hit land here, you know, since we got here. Um, before they were raping, raping our women, you know, uh, killing our kids, killing our, our men, anything that was a threat, they wiped out. Anytime we stood up or had a leader that stood up, say a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X or any of those folk, Medgar Evers, they wipe them out. You know, and so what are you supposed to do? What What is one supposed to do when you poke and kill our women and, and rape and now you're taking, dragging us out of our cars and now you're beating down our motherfucking doors and now I'm sleeping and you come in, you shoot me while I'm sleeping. Um, what's supposed to happen? You know, what, what, what is one supposed to do? They're gonna react, there's gonna be a reaction. Uh, the funny thing is, not the funny thing, but, but ironically, the reaction up to this point has always been, hey, we just want equality. We just want them all, we just want to sit in, in the front of the bus. We just want to eat at the diner. We just want to vote like you vote. We just want to drink from that fountain. Equality has been our thing. Never was it revenge, but now we're at a point now and I believe Tupac said it best. We were knocking with the civil rights movement. We were knocking during all of that. We're not knocking anymore. It's, it's at a point where we're banging down the door. We're kicking down the door because it seems like nobody understands the language. Nobody understands protests. Nobody understands when we request to be treated like civilized human beings. So 
That's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing civil unrest, not just from black people, but from white people who get it. So anybody that's not getting it right now, uh, I firmly believe that they're on the wrong side of history. Um, anybody that's not getting the reason why people are rioting and protesting, um, they're, they're on the wrong side of history. Now, there's going to be folks that say, well, you should be able to peacefully protest without looting and burning businesses and that sort of thing. Again, we're talking about a, a we're talking about a disenfranchised group of people who've been poked and prodded for generations upon generations upon generations. We're talking about people that don't got shit to lose. So the ones for the record, the ones that are out there looting and doing all the stupid shit, usually nine times out of ten, they're from the worst neighborhoods. They're the ones that have had the least. Why would somebody go and loot Best Buy to go get? Because they ain't never had a fucking flat screen, you know? Because their dad is, a, is in jail or in prison for selling weed. And he's doing 15 years. Meanwhile, Brad <laughs> just opened a dispensary in Colorado and is making millions. It's not balanced. And until there's a balance, um, you're going to have this, this, until there's a balance, you're always going to have those who have and those who have not. And anytime that that happens, there's going to be, there's going to be, uh, I don't want to use the word war because I'm a veteran and you're a veteran. Mm -hmm. um, but there's going to, there's going to be issues that, that, that you know can get out of control that can escalate and that's what we're seeing right now so i think one of the things that you touched on there that is something that i hold uh true to my heart for why america has some of the problems it has not even specific to uh just race relations but a lot of other stuff too is because america loves to treat symptoms more than they love to treat a root cause and so what you're talking about there is let's go ahead and arrest the rioters. let's go ahead and arrest the looters let's go ahead and, and do all of these things to try to stop that and I'm not saying that you should let cities burn just because they should, but I am saying that if you want to truly solve those, you want to truly solve those in perpetuity, then you solve the situations which create them. You don't solve them by arresting a rioter. You solve them by creating, excuse me, solving the situation that caused those rioters to riot. You go out and you solve, you know, police reform. You go out and you look at uh, how to give back to neighborhoods where education is bad, which obviously has been proven by research to affect your future. You know what I mean? You go out and you solve these root causes of all these things. And what you're talking about is going back to not just equality, but equity. You've stolen the equity of these communities for so long while getting rich off of their backs. And now that they are unable to do anything about it, they're doing other means and you're treating the symptoms again instead of treating the root cause. And so I'm hoping if there's any good that comes from a lot of this unrest that we have seen, it's that. I think you're starting to see some small uh, tremors, if you will, and we need a full earthquake for where we need to go for a lot of the uh, the true solutions to really take root. And so right. I have I have some hope. You know, I didn't I, I go through periods of not having hope and having hope and everything like that. But mm -hmm. I'm having some hope that all this is not for nothing. And right. uh, 
you know, now we've got Jacob Blake, you know I mean? You had Breonna Taylor, you had Ahmaud Arbery this year, you know, mm-hmm. years before that. And the one that always sticks with me, man, and I don't care what anybody says, this is probably the most heinous in recent memory anyways, is Tamir Rice. You know what I mean? How do you get back? If once they said it was okay to kill a 12-year-old child within two seconds of showing up on scene in an open carry state with a toy gun in a park by himself, all those factors, then it, everything else it doesn't surprise me anymore. Of course, they're doing what they're doing. You shot a 12-year-old and everybody's like, yeah, that's cool. Go ahead. Right, right. Yeah, uh, the list goes on and on, man. The list goes on and on. And the thing is, and I, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying that, hey, everybody should burn their cities to the ground because mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that Unless that you're from Orlando. If you're from Orlando, burn all that shit. No, <laughs> right, can't stand right, right. Orlando. <laughs> starting, to, starting with Disney World. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the answer either. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is that I get where that comes from. I get where that comes from. And I, and I want to make it clear to those who, because, and that's another thing, like, if if that's your only concern, if that's where your outrage is, well, they're burnt, they burnt down Best Buy. Well, did you see somebody get their head? Did you see somebody lose their life? Are you as outraged about that as you are about them looting Best Buy? Mm-hmm. You know, so so where is your where does your outra- uh, outrage where does it lie? Um, and that's something that you need to examine as a human being, in my in my opinion. And if your outrage lies with uh, you know, them burning Best Buy, then, then you might be racist. You might very well be racist. Uh, but, but you need some self-examination there because, you know, it's bigger than, it's bigger than that. Um, but to go on to, but, but to, uh, you mentioned um, Tamir Rice mm-hmm. in that situation. You know, you have police who uh, are not fully trained. They're not trained to deal and de-escalate. You know, I think that's been something that's been under the microscope. And, and that is one thing that I feel that all of this shit has brought to, to the surface is that there are some, some clear deficiencies when it comes to uh, police de-escalation tactics. Um, they lack. Mm-hmm. And that's an understatement. You know, that's an understatement. And so being in the military yourself and, and me as well, I know what it's like to have a gun and be in the dark and be on a mission or be doing uh, some type of war game or whatever the case may be. And you're jumpy. You're, you're, everything is fucking, all of your senses are heightened. Um, it's a tough job police have. And and I believe that police are necessary. I'm not somebody that, that wants to do away with police. I believe that they are necessary and I believe they have a tough job. Um, but when you have a jumpy, scared, possibly prejudiced uh, police officer, it's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, we're seeing time and time again where uh, nonviolent uh, dispatches end with somebody losing a life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm selling cigarettes on the corner, whatever, 
and 15 minutes after you get here, I'm dead? That's a problem. Um, and the list goes on and on. You know, a lot of the, if I'm, if I'm drunk and I'm asleep in my car, right? And I'm at the Wendy's and I wanted to take a nap, which I've, I've been drunk and I've been in a car and I've had to sleep it off before. I've been that dude. Um, you know, to wake up and have light shine in your face and, and now you pull it out of the car and then 15 minutes later, you're dead because you got shot in the back while you were running away. Uh, those are issues of non, you know, you're lacking the de-escalation tactic necessary. You're lacking a, an emotional connection to that person. Now, if that dude, and I'm not saying this, this could be the case, but if that same guy uh, was a white guy wearing khaki shorts and a Florida Gators polo, driving a Mercedes, is he going to get the same treatment? I don't know. I don't know, but, but, but time and time again, the images I see are not of that guy. It's it's guys like you and me and, and the black and brown brothers who are getting um, the raw end of the deal and they're losing their lives. And so it, it, it's enough is enough. You know, this isn't new. If you go back to when all this started with the visuals and, and us seeing it, mm-hmm. you go back mm-hmm. to Rodney King. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that yeah. visual? Uh, let me say that I remember that not from being live because i was like, i think it was like seven when when not all that went down but yeah i have the vision but if you go even further than that you can go to the, the original the one that spawned the civil rights movement emmett till that's a still photo but it's still the same it's visual people yes. for whatever reason they need to see it yeah yeah it it in it, it, these are just the things that that have been brought to light mm-hmm. you know and so the problem that i have with with, with people that just com- completely ignore the existence of these things, that's what, that's what infuriates me. It infuriates me to the point where I don't speak. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have friends that, that, are, that, that speak every day on this and they are very, very visible with their emotions. And I'm the type of guy I get, I get, I go inward. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get, I go inward. I won't speak. Um, I plot, I'm planning. You know, that's kind of guy I am. Well, well, what can I do? What can I start doing? What What is it that I can do that's outside the norm, that's outside of what has been done? What more can I do? So that's where I'm at with, with all of this, um, is pissed off, that happened already. I've been that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been the guy in the back of the cop car too. I've been the guy on the on the other end of, uh, police brutality. I've been him. That's why I'm at a different place now where it's like, okay, well, what can I do now? What, what, what strategizing and organizing can take place? And so that's where my mind frame is. Uh, but I gotta be, I gotta be careful, you know, and, and anybody, uh, that, that is in the same mind frame, has to be careful because you can't just, you know, you can't just go militant, militant black guy and, and try to, you know, fight fire with fire. 
I don't believe that's the answer. I think you have to use intelligence. You have to use your resources. You have to mobilize a community. Um, and it requires wit. It requires wit and outthinking uh, the other side in mm -hmm. some way. And so that's where I'm at now. I, I treat this as if I treat any anything that I work on, um, I think on it. Um, and as things start to come to me, I'll start to reach out to folks and that I think can help, can bring something to the table. And, and eventually I will have um, some, some something in terms of an organization or uh, something along those lines to help combat um, what's going on right now in America. So I, I know there's a million answers to this next question, but I'm just interested to see yours and then and I'll give mine after that as well. But what is the one of the millions of root causes that you see uh, that you think could really be worked on to to assist, you know, the, the black and other minority communities uh, right now, specifically, obviously black. But um, what is the one thing you could see and just I'll start just so I you can kind of give you an idea of where my mindset's at yeah. what, what kind of answer I'm looking for but for me it's economic empowerment uh, we live in a capitalistic society nothing happens without dollars and if you were able to get more communities that don't have them if you're able to get more communities that don't have the I want to say the ripple effects of having money in your community then I think you would solve a lot of problems I think with economic uh equity, if you will, then I think you start seeing people have more money so they're able to invest more in their own communities. You're starting to see the education get better because that's funded off of housing taxes. You're starting to see their actual lifestyles get better. And like you said before, people, well, you kind of the uh, opposite of what you said before, people who have something to live for typically don't do as much stupid shit because they got something to go home to. They got something to want for, they, all that type of stuff. So for me, it's economic reform. It's economic uh, equity and everything, seeing the different communities that don't have that ability start to get that ability and really seeing that balance out. Because again, nothing in this, this country happens without dollars for the most part. It needs dollars and sweat. That's about it. Yeah. No, I agree 100% on that piece uh, of it. You know, And that's one of those things where the economic side, obviously, you got to get people that are in those positions uh, of power um, to make enough noise, right, to to create change. And I do believe that we I do believe that we're starting to get more voices, uh, you know, making that noise. And I hope that there, there will be change in terms of the economic reform. But with, with me, my 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 thoughts are a little closer to where the rubber meets the road and that will be more of a police reform uh so let's look at the policies of the police and let's look at what the police powers are you know what are they because i do believe that there may be too much power with that comes with that badge so i'd like to know what uh what the policies are and, and how they can be um, amended or, you know, just evaluated, you know, let's evaluate. Okay. I think it, I'm not sure what, what city or state it is, but I do recall that there was a city that, you know, as a result of all this implemented a, a uh, uh, kind of a de-escalation 
tactic, which was if it's a nonviolent dispatch, so if it's something that's not violent in nature, they send out, they're not going to send out uh, your standard police officer to deal with it. They have kind of a subset of, of a police force that has, um, have you heard of that? Have you heard of that? Uh, I've heard of that concept. I, I have not heard of that been enacted. So it's more of like a social worker or something like that they send out, but I, I haven't heard of that being enacted. Well, yeah, I think it, I think it has been rolled out in, in uh, a city or two. I'd have to get back to you on, on what city it is, but, but they're police officers. They, they are considered police officers, but they are more, um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not coming out there locked and loaded to, you know, to uh, handle the situation. So I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, when you have somebody that's out there and he's already got his hand on his gun and it's, you know, my cat's in the tree, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a problem. Um, and I'm exaggerating, but not really. Um, so I, police reform, police policy reform, I, I think is, is needs to be evaluated. How much power do these guys have? Um, how much should they have, more importantly? And, and you know, what does that look like? Because I, I believe, again, that's where the rubber meets the road. When we look at uh, who's dying, and we look at who the shooters are, um, it, it's, it's, it's police. You know, and not all, you know, not all police are like this. And, and the thing about it is one of my best friends who I consider my brother is, is, is a, is a Hillsborough County Sheriff. And I, I know people uh, through jujitsu, you and I both know, know guys in law enforcement. So, and even they will tell you that, yeah, there, there are a few bad apples that are spoiling the bunch. And, um, you know, it, it's, but we need to weed them out. We need to start calling attention to them uh, from the inside out, from the, from the, you know, whether they be in your squadron or whatever the case may be, start calling the attention. This, this, this clean house, so to speak. Um, let's get more black officers in there. One of my good friends, he has two, two sons, I think a son and a daughter on the police force, uh, which is needed. We need people that are from the community in the community uh, because that escalation may not happen at all. You know, oh, I know your uncle. Oh, we grew up together, man. We went, I played, I played high school football with your, with, your, with your pops. Get on back home before I call you. You know what I mean? Uh, those types of things could happen if we have officers from the community. When, when we don't, have officers from the community. We have somebody that's scared, uh, quite frankly, scared of black people. Quite frankly, maybe was bullied. Uh, quite frankly, maybe watched the movies and thinks that uh, anybody with cornrows or dreads is a thug. So let me put my hand on my gun now. And, and you know, and, and we need to, we need to look at those. We need to look at that policy and look at what we can do to, to change the face of, of policing across the country. I'd say for me, the biggest thing is more cultural. Uh, one of the reasons I left the military is I noticed there was a trend that I did not care for. And that was both the military and police are considered exalted positions or considered some uh, positions you should give respect to. And the reason for that is because they believe there's a standard for that. 
And in the military, as uh, towards the end of my career, I didn't start seeing that standard being enforced. I remembered back to basic training where if we had a dude who couldn't uh, fold his bed the right way and we knew we were all going to get in trouble, we didn't tell the TI and so we can get, uh, so he can get kicked out. You put him in the corner and you did it for him so everybody else wouldn't get in trouble. And I right. think that same mentality has permeated both the military forces and a lot of times the police forces. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put processes of people out because you don't want to be seen as a snitch. You don't want to be seen as somebody who's working with IA. You don't want to see, uh, see as somebody who's a problem. And then right. also with the police specifically, they're unionized. So now they have a union that protects them in a lot of these cases. So it, it holds people, excuse me, it makes it really hard to hold people accountable. And so right. if you're not going to enforce that standard, then you don't deserve to get the respect of that standard. And that's the same thing I said, like, it, that's why I left the military. Well, not right. just that. That was one of the reasons. But uh, if you want that respect that police officers and military deserve in this society, then you need to enforce that standard and realize that the person who's not meeting that standard doesn't deserve to be one of you. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're out there every day, you press your uniform, you get up and you come and you go with respect, you should expect the same from the dude to your left or the woman to your right or wherever else. And if you're not enforcing that, then again, like it's been said in memes and everybody else, then you're not a good cop. You're an right. enabler. You're enabling right. other people to do bad things and that doesn't make you good. Right. 100% agree with you on that, man. And that's what I'm saying. It has to, it actually, in order for there to be change, it, it does have to come from within. Mm-hmm. It has to come from within the force, I believe. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, and that's why I think protests are necessary. I think that's why it is necessary for people to make noise and, you know, write their congressmen and women and 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 do all of those things, uh, you know, just to get the attention and, and, you know, and keep your foot on the gas with it. You gotta, you gotta, it's a job, it becomes a job. It becomes a, okay, I gotta dedicate some time during the week to, you know, file a petition or protest or, you know, make this call or make that call or write, write this person or that person. And we got so much stuff going on. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We got, you know, an election coming up. It, it's, it's, it's a perfect storm of so many things going on all at once. There's a UFO out there. They finally yeah. <laughs> announced it as UFOs. I mean, like, bro, it's, 39 kids found in a, in a, in a, in a trailer park or something that were sexually trafficked, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, this, it, anything that could happen damn near is happening. I mean, th- the only thing missing and, and we almost had this was, a, is like a meteor crashing into yeah. <laughs> crashing yeah. it. And we almost had that, you know, um, so it's it's a lot. It's a lot for people to deal with. Um, it, and and if you're not strong, if you don't have a strong will, a strong mind, you will fold, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I want I, I want anybody that does hear this. If, if you just can't, if you feel like I just can't deal with it, I can't protest, or I can't. You're not obligated to. You're not obligated to. Take, take, take the breaks that you need because this is a marathon. Um, rest, you know, get your rest, eat right. Because we're, we're going to need you in the second, third, fourth quarters mm-hmm. of, of this, of this, of this whole thing. Um, I have to check out constantly. I'm constantly taking mental breaks. I have to, 
fucking, I have to, bro. Um, you know, and I consider myself somebody that is pretty zen. I'm pretty fucking, I'm pretty zen in my old age. You know what I'm saying? So I've, I've reached a, I've reached a level of in, within myself that I can, okay. I'm able to kind of filter out the bullshit, but even, even with that, all, all of that, um, it, it becomes overwhelming when you look at everything that's going on. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important that people, you know, take breaks, take mental health breaks, do whatever it is that you need to do to recover emotionally and, and get back to it. Uh, do whatever you can do, you know, uh, that's it. I think that last thing you said there is what I, the message I try to give to a lot of people too, is do whatever you can do. Don't try to do what you think is the thing that would help contribute. Find what is actually something that you're uh, naturally inclined to do. Like you said, sure. not everybody's meant to be out there in the midst of a protest. You know, the num if you can, by all means go, but some people need to donate money. Some people need to educate other people. Some people need to, uh, you know, read, study, learn for themselves and try to share that knowledge. There's multiple ways to do this and it's going to require all of those things. It's not just one thing. It's not just protesting. There's the protest and there's after the protest. There's, like you said, uh, writing congressmen and women. There's writing your local, really, this is a big one, writing your local government because that's mm -hmm. where a lot of that stuff is actually going to start to change at the grassroots level because federally, look, they all hoot and holler and they say one thing pro or uh, against <laughs> everything, but they're not actively doing a lot. It's usually right. your local and your state and everything else. And that's where you would really have to put the pressure on them. And it's amazing to me how effective that pressure still is. I, I really thought that a lot, at some point they were going to start tuning this out, but they still react. They still at least put out responses. They still have, uh, again, grassroots. You see people do different things. So uh, yeah. I'm very interested in how everybody else can contribute. And just, again, that's my message to a lot of people is just, Remember that you don't have to contribute the same way that the other person you saw is. Find your way right. to contribute and then do something you believe in. Right, right. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, and, and, and I get it. Part of, part, of the, part of the mindset is that, well, I'm writing, I'm writing someone, but I don't even know who my congressmen or women, you know, they don't know who it is. And if they do know, they, they, they look up and they see that they don't look like them. So they think it's pointless, and, and I get that. Um, but I think that's another thing that, that, could, that could be fixed and that could be uh, improved. You know, how do, we, how do we connect? Because every, you hear, write your congress, co congressman. Well, we've heard that, I've heard that, my, but I, who is that person? You know, where is that person in the community? When, you know, I haven't seen them come to my neighborhood. You know, how do we connect, uh, you know, make a connection there that that makes sense and makes people trust the process. Um, and, I, I, you know, you saying that it's 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 working and you saying that you've seen success uh, with that yourself. I mean, is that from personal experience or? Uh, I wouldn't say personal so much as seeing the results of different campaigns and then also with some of the uh, organizations that I was a part of last year and everything, seeing uh, the inner workings uh, of those campaigns and the the different congressmen. And then we talked to the state attorney, uh, Andrew Warren, uh, well, one of the, I guess, the state attorneys. Um, 
and they tell us that type of stuff. They tell us certain things and they, I don't remember the example he gave at the time now, but uh, are directly related to those type of campaigns. And you also see how, but again, that doesn't mean it always works. It just right. means that it's something they have to directly respond to. It gives them some kind of pressure and uh, it's not the only way. And I'm not even saying it's the best way to do it, but it is a way to start that process and to contribute. And one of the things that I think is really starting uh, LeBron James and some other people obviously have been big into this is the uh, more than a vote movement when, and they're trying to convert a lot of NBA stadiums into uh, polling places and stuff like that. As oh, well. that's cool. And yeah, so why I said it's important is because when you're talking about the congressmen not going to those neighborhoods is because they don't believe those neighborhoods vote. Mm-hmm. Congress people, uh, excuse me, anybody who's trying to be elected goes wherever voters are. If you right. vote, they're going there, but they don't believe those communities vote. And so if you really start to show out those numbers and they start, start to see it, that's the way you get them there. Now, again, that's not right. It shouldn't be that mm-hmm. way. They're still your constituents, whether they vote or not, particularly if they're not voting for you. But that is a, a real answer that, it, again, I don't think they'll admit that, but that's where it comes from. If that community ain't voting, I ain't going. That's why, uh, to her, uh, her, to her uh, loss, I think it's one of the reasons she lost. You know, Hillary Clinton didn't go to certain places. She's like, yeah, they ain't right. gonna vote anyways. And <laughs> right, right, right. it didn't go. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> with all of that said, man, with, 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 with as heavy and as deep and, you know, important as, as all of that stuff is, you know, I, I do want to be clear and say that I do have hope. Uh, I do have hope that our kids and our kids' kids will um, will, will come together. They will. They will. They will figure this shit out. Um, you know, I think every every generation we get a little closer. But but you know, if, if you talk to the kids, if you if you talk to kids, they they don't they don't you know they don't have racist bone in their body. You know, they don't hate uh, innately, you know what I mean? This is things that, these are things that are passed down and, and uh, you know, so I do believe and I have hope that they can, that, that the kids will, you know, will bring this home. Um, they just have access to so much information. You know, they have access to more information than they ever had. And if the information is available to them, um, I, I think that they're going to be wise with it. You know, obviously we have to do our jobs as adults and try to pass the baton to them in in a responsible manner. Um, but I think we're getting to that point now. I think we're at that point where we're slowly but surely um, racism will not be as prominent. I will say it. I feel it will always exist, but I do feel like we're at a point now where it will not be as prominent or as ugly um, as it once was due to the work that we're doing now, due to the protests and due to all the stuff that we're doing now. And so I have hope, man. And in that vein of hope, and don't take this as a diss because it's not meant to be. You're a young dude. You ain't old. So, but the scary thing is you are barely younger than the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're bar- well, the most famous civil rights movement, let's say that there's, there's many, right. uh, you know, the civil rights act, I yeah. believe was 1967. You know what I mean? So that's not much older than you. And so to see where that was to where we are should give people hope. Some people yeah. look at it as a sign of sadness, but I'm like, man, that was not that long ago. You know what I mean? Right. 
and right. we've come all the way here now. Uh, and I think that's the same thing we're going to see. The progress may be incremental and maybe seem slow because our lifetimes aren't that long, but it's getting yeah. better and it's consistently getting better. And that's one of the things I've tried to talk to some people about as well. They're like, oh, a lot of this stuff is getting worse. More and more people getting shot. And somebody like was like, well, <clears throat> numbers don't say that. You're just seeing it. Like right. black people have been saying this for a long time now. You're just now seeing it. And so you feel like it's worse because you're seeing it more. But it's not yeah. necessarily getting worse. It's getting filmed, as they always say, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing, man, is. Uh, is the. You know, it's just ongoing visualization of these shootings and social media and the way that. You know, before you would see it on the 11 o'clock news, you'd see it on the six o'clock. And that would be it, you know, and that would be it. And now it's ongoing. It's around the clock. It's on the news, of course. It's on cable news, which they replay a story a million times a day. But more importantly, it's, it's on your social media feed, which is directly in your palm of your hand. And, and I, I've been saying this for, I've been saying this for years. Um, human beings are, we're creatures that learn by, by visualization. You know, we learn how to moonwalk because we saw it, right? You know, we learn how to dance, sing, ABC. You know, we learn, we're visual um, at our core. And so, whenever you show this type of violence or whenever you, you show these types of things happening, um, it just, it, it causes a person to continue to do these things. Um, did I lose you? No, nah, looks okay. like my video might've froze, but. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yo, this yeah. dude is, the mannequin challenge, kid. You're the key. <laughs> I'll see if I can get that back up, but no, nah, I'm, I'm still here. Sorry about that. So, no, no, it's all good. So I want to get into something controversial right quick. Uh, yeah. You know, to try as we start to wrap this up, go controversial and a little bit on a lighthearted note. You said something about um, learning the moonwalk, so it made me think of this. This is a thought I've been having in my head a lot lately. Who you got as more talented? Uh, Michael Jackson or Prince? Oh, man. Uh, it's funny because I had both of those albums growing up and I used to put them side by side all the time. <clears throat> um, damn, that's tough, bro. That's a, that's a tough one. Michael Jackson obviously had a more, more of an impact. Mm -hmm. He had more of an impact, I think, on me and... and the world uh, because he was just fucking, he, he was electric, I mean, he was electric, bro. Uh, Prince, though, you know, if you're not, if you're not somebody who dives into music and, and does your research, you would think Prince is just a guy that wears tight pants and, <laughs> you know, but Prince was a, you know, Prince from a, musical composition standpoint and songwriting standpoint you know he plays multiple instruments he can dance his ass off as well in his own right um you know so he's very 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 talented man uh you know I, 
I gotta pick somebody, bro. I'm not pick. I can't pick, bro. I can't hey, pick between them two. That, man. That's that's fair. I'll pick for you, and I imagine this will be a conversation I have several times over. But for me, it's Prince, man. Uh, don't get me wrong. Michael Jackson was the pop. Michael Jackson was the king of pop. He, he definitely had all the things you want from him. He represented for a lot of people out there. Uh, but boy, Prince, like, first of all, the music for me, Prince, I go back and I listen to Michael. I enjoy it, but I go back to Prince and that stuff too. I mean, it touches your soul. And then, like you said, the instruments that he played and then the vocals and the stuff that he wrote that he actually didn't show up on, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then just the length of his career too. I think that dude put out a, a CDs like not long before he died. Yeah, know? for sure. And sure. the thing that makes me most mad, and this has nothing to do with his talent, about Michael Jackson is that dude died on my damn birthday. So for the rest of my life, every time really? my birthday comes up, <laughs> the R.I.P. Michael what, Jackson. <laughs> when was your birthday? Was it, when was it? June 25th. Oh, shit. So Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett both died on my birthday <laughs> the same day. And, bro, this, this is the funniest. It's funny to me. I feel bad for the dude, but I mean – one of my homeboys at the time, man, grown ass man, called me crying. Said, you know, Michael died. I'm like, yo, bro, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, but I was saying, like, yeah. And he's younger than me. You know what I mean? Right. So it wasn't like he was really when Michael was really popping and stuff like that. He just right. his mom, you know. <laughs> it no, it's weird though. It's weird the connection Michael has because my kids, man, my my kid, like my boy, um, Lil J, mm-hmm. Lil J connected with Michael Jackson in a way that was just like he had just like he was here you know like he had been here but the fact of the matter is he had died I think he was I don't know maybe two years old when he passed away or something like that mm-hmm. um he has this way of connecting with kids man and no no pun intended <laughs> we're not doing no pun intended bro but like you know he has this thing bro that uh even after he's been dead for, I don't even know, how long has it been? How long has it been? Bruh, because I was stationed in Georgia when that story happened, so it had to be, it's over 10 years now. Okay, yeah. So, you know, still to this day, man, you put on uh, a Michael Jackson song, bro, you'll see a whole group of kids go out there and start doing shit that, like, how do you even know what that is? But, um... Yeah, man, shit. I, I grew up on both of them, man. I grew up on Prince. That was those were a couple of the first albums that I ever owned was Prince and, and Michael Jackson. And that's back when they when you pull out the insert of the album, you yeah, can, you got yeah. the lyrics. You can read, you can do the lyrics and stuff. So that that actually is how, I, looking back on it, that had a, an influence on the on my you know the way that I would write songs and, and write music and stuff like that because I memorized all that stuff, and, and I was young, man. I was. You know, we're talking third, fourth grade, something like that. And, uh, well, yeah, I love those dudes, man. Yeah. Miss them. Miss them dudes. I'm with you, man. I think I miss that uh, that type of creativity, that type of genius and stuff. And, and, again, I know there's somebody out there right now who's doing that, but we mm-hmm. won't know because you – I guess you rarely know when you're in the presence of genius until it's several days uh, – excuse me, several years later. You know, that seems to be right. – but. I don't feel like there's a Michael Jackson or Prince out there right now, but somebody might hit me up and be like, oh, Adele or whoever else, you know what I mean? But yeah, but that's not it for me. Yeah, yeah you, you you look at artists like Anderson Pack, who plays oh, multiple instruments. He's and, dope. He's dope. He's yeah. dope. Uh, and then you look at a Chris Brown who has elements of, of Michael. But again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier is that, you know, the, the, 
even those cats, bro, they're like, um, they're, they're doing versions of the best, you know, and that's the thing we got to get, we got to, we got to get through a whole generation of people that are doing versions of our artists that we love so much. And once we get through that, then we'll have some fresh ideas. But, but right now that to me, there's a lot of, a lot of imitators. Uh, and I love Chris Brown. I mean, he's, he's dope in his own right. Um, he's dope in his own right for sure. And, and for kids, for some kids, he probably is like Michael Jackson, man. You know what I mean? To be honest with you. So that's a scary thought. <laughs> uh, Breezy. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So, all right, man, I'm, I'm gonna get ready to let you go. I've been asking people this. I haven't done a lot of these yet, but, uh, yeah. For this episode, what's your tagline? Uh, it could be your 2020 tagline. What's your tagline that you want me to put for this episode? What What you think? What you got? Oh, God. A tagline? Um, <laughs> There's a tagline that we use in the house all the time. Uh, and it, it might be too long, but... Let's do it. If, if I'm doing me, if I'm doing me, and you doing me, who the fuck doing you? <laughs> Is that too long, bro? <laughs> no, that is good. I knew what the ending was when you started it, but I'm, I'm that's cool. <laughs> Who the like fuck that. doing you, man? So everybody needs to just stay in their lane. And uh, you just got done talking about a whole generation of imitators, and then you go into that saying. It seems like you had a plan for all this. <laughs> oh no, man. We gotta we 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 gotta do better, man, as a society, bro. Um, but I appreciate this this uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, do we know what what the name of this is yet, bro? Are we calling this something? Uh, right now, I'm still calling it conversations about nothing because the whole concept okay. for me is just chopping it up with good people, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just talking to people again because I think, especially with us living in our houses now instead of being out in the world and Facebook and Instagram being the way we communicate, I think a lot of the things, the nuances are getting lost in the conversation and just chopping it up and having good conversations just makes me feel better about the world in general, man. You know, talking to people yeah. like yourself and just getting... And plus, for people who don't really pay attention, you know, there's more interesting facts to everybody's life, like going into your art and everything. I didn't know you had done the, the uh, mur mural, sorry, mural, mm -hmm. that I talk about. Anyways, I didn't know you had done the mural out there on the streets of Tampa and everything like that. So we got to, you know, go into that. And that's just kind yeah. of the concept of all this, just chopping it up, man. Definitely, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate outlets like this, man. We need to have more conversations uh, with, with diverse people, man. And, and, and I believe conversation, I believe conversation is powerful. And, and change, man. And, and so I appreciate it, bro. Thanks for Absolutely, having me on. Man. Ball Beer Gang 2020, bro. <laughs> All day, man. 2021 and beyond, man. Hi, bro. Stay healthy, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Hi, you too.